So how are you feeling today? Sleepy. I feel hungover still from our last recording session. <laughs> Actually, the symptoms that I'm feeling are not from being hungover, but because yesterday I got my second COVID vaccine. That's right. We are fully vaccinated, bitches. So, so Tara's probably looking forward to hugging you, and I'm looking forward to not seeing anybody still. Yeah. If I don't know you, I have to meet you before I want to hug you. I don't even want to meet you, maybe. Yeah, he doesn't so, want to hug me. No. So yesterday I was feeling pretty good, and then I went to bed, and then in the middle of the night, I got cold chills, and they were like really cold. They were like <laughs> Mount Everest teeth chattering cold so i had to bundle up an hour later it got really hot and so i just didn't sleep very well and then today i finally got out of bed and i'm like oh yes you do have other symptoms because it felt like i ran a marathon so my legs still are a little sore i have a headache and we actually ate right before this which was also probably a good thing because i hadn't eaten for probably about 24 hours this so is not maybe the best plan no. but you know. I feel better now. It's because I'm here. It is. This bitch has the audacity on this day when I'm looking like a crusty ball sack. Come in my house. She's wearing her contacts for the first time in the year and earrings. <laughs> like, what the hell do you think this is? I don't know. Is, my Met hair Gala? does not look good. So, don't. I, I mean, what else is new? It's fucking rude. <laughs> I took a shower for you. Actually, that was the best shower of my life. <laughs> so nice and warm after oh. being a fucking polar bear. It's all for the best. That's right. Now we are vaccinated until it's going to become a yearly thing, I feel like. Yeah, I think so too. Listen, I will take the shots, all of them, whatever is necessary. Especially if it's whiskey. Yep. Today we are discussing chapter 33, The Death Eaters. The Death Eaters. Chapter 32 was a real fucking short chapter. I gotta pick a winner or loser. Winner or loser works definitely differently from points because the winner of the chapter is Voldemort. Oh my god. He gets his body back, dude. That's that's a win for him. I would like my body back. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty exciting time for him. Last night I thought I was turning into a lizard. I'm glad you didn't. I'm very upset that I did not turn into a lizard. I woke up and I was like, you look normal. I mean, it's going to be okay. Damn it. Well, hopefully I get my teleportation powers sometime soon. Right. That's then, really what we're hoping yeah, for. Yeah, I don't want to drive a car ever again. <laughs> and the loser of the chapter, just because, well, I fucking hate him, is Wormtail. Oh, how nice. Yeah. So for chapter 33. Fuck, I got to find my... Oh, there it is. <laughs> There you go. I send it in. Chapter 33, The Death Eaters, or a villain introductory chapter, a checklist, and it is in numerical bullet. Number one, the hero is in trouble. Number two, we meet a self-centered, creepy character who is probably disgustingly hideous. Number three, the character reveals himself as the villain, not by admitting that he's actually a piece of shit, but by spending 92% of the chapter spelling out his own self-important history through soliloquy. Number four, creepy ugly guy who talks too much and invites his friends over so that they can hear him monologue and cheer him on for successfully kidnapping a child. Number five, there is so much fucking exposition, like so much. Number six, while giving the traditional, this is how I did it speech, this is how I did it. <laughs> Oh my god, what if he did it like that? What if he rapped? He probably did rap. The villain manages to insult his followers, tell one or two god-awful and tasteless jokes, and probably cause at least one person in attendance to fall asleep because he just won't shut the fuck up. 
Number seven, a child is literally tortured minutes after another child was murdered. And number eight, the villain promises everybody watching that he's going to kill the hero in front of them, but we all fucking know that ain't happening because there are still four chapters left in this book and three more books in the series. That was very creative. Thank you. I don't think we've ever had something like that. No, we haven't. Here we are, episode 98. I was just trying to be real creative. Because these are getting to be heavy chapters. Yeah, real heavy. It's the Death Eaters. Olivia King, who was a guest on the last couple episodes, she sent me this about the Death Eaters and Voldemort's wand, which was made of you. Y-E-W-U. Oh, I was like, I was not made out of anything. <laughs> this girl. I don't know. Her name on TikTok, we'll tell you later. So she said, you would grow and trees in graveyards. What they did was they would plant it in graveyards that's poisonous to animals, farm animals. So people wouldn't leave their animals for the graveyard because they thought it was disrespectful toward dead people. And Voldemort is, you know. A poisonous a bitch. A poisonous bitch. But the best part about this is that the yew tree has really deep roots. What the roots do is it basically helps decay the dead bodies in these old graveyards. And they call those roots Death Eaters. Oh my god. Should I go back in time and like edit the witchy music in? Because that was like witchy music almost. I don't know. You're the mystical one now. I mean, I literally got this information from Olivia King. I get no mystical credit. Uh, if anyone would like to actually... Technically, it's historical, I guess. Yeah. If anyone would like to actually get that from the horse's mouth or the young lady who put it on... Are on... you calling Olivia King a horse? No, she's not the one who came up with it either. <laughs> it's this girl. Her name is Kirby Alice 3 on TikTok. And she's smart and fun. Sponsor us. So, yeah, I found that really interesting. But I thought it was especially interesting because she sent that to me literally this morning. That's cool. And I was like, bitch, knew we were talking about the Death Eaters. I, I mean, she so. did. Because she was on the last episode, but she didn't know we were recording today. First, it's just a reminder, oh, guess what? Voldemort is back. I think Wormtail gives him his wand, but there was no reenact recipe for that soup. For his wand to just fucking appear? Or his clothes. Uh Is he just, like, naked? Does he say rope me, or am I just thinking of... Rope me? (laughs) Did he say that the left? Hey, skinny dick, robe me. I just, like, imagine that's what he says because things like puffs and the fact that it makes sense. Yes. So, yeah, that was my first thing is, like, how it got close. And then Voldemort's like, oh, my God, look, I got a body. Isn't it good looking? And skinny dick's like, uh, I think the fuck not. And then he's like, give me your arm. And Skinny Dick's like, oh my god, thank you so much. He's like, no, bitch, your other arm. He's really rude. This guy just... I mean, it's Voldemort. <laughs> I know, right? You know, I understand Wormtail being like, okay, yes, yeah, for my arm. He literally just cut off my hand. So here, take my arm that, you know, we I just cut off for, so you come back to life. And Voldemort's like, ha, hold on, I gotta call my friends. <laughs> yes. He sticks his wand into the tattoo of the Dark Mark. Yes. All the Death Eaters float down. They don't come down immediately like they do in the movie. Because he's got a fucking monologue. Oh, yeah. After, he's, and he's, he's like, he's like who will be brave enough to come oh, back yeah, to me? Oh, yeah, that's right. <sighs> and, and then we find out, when they do come, part of me was also like, okay, how did they know that this time was the time to show up when they didn't necessarily show up at the Quidditch World Cup? But then, as I was thinking about it, I was like, maybe they like can tell that it was Voldemort who called them. Or, maybe his location. If they can tell, oh, this is where the Dark Mark was. It was over this graveyard and then my third was that maybe this time they might have been in on it i mean that might be less likely so what my understanding of the dark mark is is that at the quidditch world cup 
when Barty Crouch Jr. is the one who puts it in the air. Like, he doesn't call anyone. He literally shoots it in the air like the fucking bat signal. When Voldemort presses his wand to Wormtail's tattoo, it calls them like there's some kind of connection physically. I think that they're separate things. I don't think that seeing the dark mark It was like not a real dark mark. Well, it, it was a real dark mark, but it wasn't the dark mark tattoo. It was like the official. Not like Barty Crouch Jr. was like, ooh, a wand. I'm calling people. Because one, maybe only Voldemort can. Put, he needs to put the wand up to where he got his COVID tattoo. And then like the chip in his arm kind of calls Yeah, that's, that's what it is. You know what? That, that's what they're missing. But that's what I think they are. That's the difference. That's the true. The tattoos are how Voldemort calls them versus the sign in the sky. Because then in the sixth book, when we have that dark mark being thrown in the air, I don't think anyone's called to that. You know, also, Voldy ain't there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Either way, that's just someone shooting it in the sky. I don't think it has anything to do with their tattoos. That's more of a, like... That's true. It has to do with, like, the method of it. Yeah, and I think that at the beginning of the sixth book, Arthur Weasley explains a little bit more about the Dark Mark, too. Then the other thing that happens, actually, in this chapter, too, is later (laughs) on, Voldemort mentions that a faithful follower procured it at the Quidditch World Cup or something. It sounds like it was, like, the method of it. He's talking about Barty Crouch being, like, what up, bitches? Yeah, Voldemort. what it is is Lucius Malfoy is like, oh, I would have come if there were any signs. And Voldemort was like, there was a sign at the Quidditch World Cup, you fucking d- d- coward dick. Yeah. But yeah, like the way that it was cast was different. So Yeah, so I think that true. it's different. Um, also, before they get here, Voldemort is like, by the way, Harry, you're on my dad's grave. That guy sucks. He was a muggle. And then he calls Harry's mom a muggle, which is rude as fuck. Because she is not a muggle. She's a muggle-born witch. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fuck you. You very rude. That's true. Well, he talks about killing his dad and stuff. From this point forward, too, even though it isn't necessarily as, like, prevalent until second half of the sixth book, there's a lot more horcruxy stuff coming up. Since he mentions killing his father, that was who he killed to create the ring horcrux, I believe. I was kind of looking up some of the details to be like, okay, how many people do we know so far? And we know four of them, and three of them were brought up in this chapter, and all four were brought up in this book. Because Moaning Myrtle was one of them. She was the actual one for the diary. And then, of course, Lily for Harry, and then Bertha for Nagini. Yes. Obviously, Lily and Harry was not on purpose. The plan was to use Harry's death as his final horcrux. Oh. He explains that too later on. What was the final horcrux going to be? Maybe that was going to be Nagini? No idea. Huh. I don't know that that's actually in the books or if that's just like a speculation. Maybe. But remember, he made Nagini into a horcrux after he came back. Yeah. So Nagini's not a horcrux. Well, Nagini's a horcrux now, but Nagini's not a horcrux as of like the beginning of the series. Like everything else is already a horcrux. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of interesting to see like that timeline. Yeah. Because technically Harry is the sixth horcrux and then Nagini is the seventh. Mm Mm-hmm. A couple other things with that. The first one is he said that he killed Tom Sr. at the age of 15. It shows the difference between Voldemort and Harry because Harry's almost the same age. Mm-hmm. Like in a few months, he will be 15. Whoa. It's almost like the beginning, not necessarily the beginning of Voldemort because he killed Morning Myrtle first. Did he kill Morning He may have not killed Morning Myrtle yes. first. Morning Myrtle was first because she was at school. Right, but... Yeah, I think what I saw online made it seem like Moaning Myrtle was first, then Riddle. I mean, that makes more sense, but if he was only 15 when he killed his father... Then I don't know, because he was a prefect in, like, in one of his later years when he killed Myrtle. Oh, maybe. So maybe it was. I don't know. Yeah, if anyone knows, let us know. There's a lot of information online. 
The other thing, and yeah, maybe this isn't the most ideal place to bring it up. He's created several Horcruxes at this point, and I think it's clear that he doesn't know that Harry is a Horcrux through okay. the rest of the series. Yeah. Does it feel weird? Like, can you tell when you do it? When Dumbledore explains it more later, I wonder if because his soul is so torn up, he literally can't feel any of that. Oh, yeah. Unless, that might be true. like, and I know that there's a whole thing about how he would, like, go to visit his Horcruxes or whatever. Maybe he can feel them. But Nagini's also right there. Oh, yeah, that's true. You know, true. and also he's already got this connection to Harry, so maybe that wouldn't come up to him, or maybe it wouldn't cross his mind that that would possibly be the thing that happened. I don't know. I that don't, makes sense. You accidentally made a Horcrux because you were so fucking... Stupid. up that, like, no one accidentally makes a Horcrux. There's clearly a lot of shit that goes into this. And it's not good stuff. That's how fucked up you are and how split your soul is. This is a sign that you need to, like, chill. Go to therapy. The one of Voldemort went to therapy. (laughs) We might have a completely different series. I think it's good to bring it up because you start to see the telltale signs here. Just like with characters and it becoming a little bit overwhelming, I think it's good to start following that first inclination of it. Yeah, all of his buddies come. Yeah. He's like, here's my family, Harry. And Harry's like, rude of you to bring up family. Like, literally, <laughs> I'm on your father's grave and you killed my parents. Rude. So I'm very terrified right now because <laughs> I didn't know I was, would be here to kill Cedric. <laughs> there is a moment, too, where it talks about Wormtail returning and, like, people's motivations for returning. And Wormtail's being out of loyalty but out of fear. Mm-hmm. So he kind of, like, calls Wormtail out for that. But it was very clear that nobody was 100% loyal during this. Or I feel like it would probably have been a very different series up to this point. So to me, I think all of these people coming is out of fear. And it's showing that the choice to be evil is based out of fear, too. Because it's like, oh, shit, we're being called oh my god my pager hasn't rung for like 13 years (laughs) and then they're like uh better go because if not this could be bad for me so they go over to the evil side simply because of the consequences and being scared of what might happen to them isn't it kind of fascinating that they're in that place lucius malfoy specifically i think is a very powerful man and then he just like rolls right the fuck over so before voldemort went away he was powerful and they were all like rallying behind him and they were all powerful in that regard as being part of this very strong evil team i guess they all be living their lives now they just kind of drop everything yeah what kind of power does he really have what he has clearly demonstrated terrifying power to these people people who work for the ministry lucius malfoy who has all the goddamn money on the planet they just drop it i think voldemort is kind of a fucking idiot usually but he's clearly got some kind of thing that he did or showed them 13 years ago that they're like, yep, I will drop everything for this guy. I mean, he's also a brilliantly talented wizard, yes. My thought is more along those lines that, like, he's done these horrible things and it's that they're dropping whatever they're doing to kind of, like, save their own ass Mm -hmm. rather than, oh my god, he's back, let's go and have a party. I think that it is a little bit more of them being spineless and just coming back at the first possible whim. But it makes me wonder then, how much power would Voldemort have if it weren't for his follower base? Mm -hmm. Because obviously right here, it's only, what, six people? And then... Yeah. Little Strangers in Azkaban, so that's eight. But then later on, Harry has, like, this whole thing, I think it's in the next chapter, where he's like, oh, it would be, like, 30 to 1. So clearly there's other people that just aren't named. Oh, yeah. 
And I don't think Harry is exaggerating in that point yeah. <laughs> as the narrator. The yeah. people that they do bring up, for the most part, are pretty, like, recognizable. There's Crabbe, yeah. there's Goyle, there's Malfoy, there's McNair, who was the bitch who tried to murder Buckbeak yeah. and failed. Rude. And then there's Not and there's Avery who are mentioned. Which are people who get mentioned in the next couple of books, too. Yeah. At first, when they said Avery, I was thinking the Caros, but they, neither one of them is Avery. It's no, just, it's, I don't think they can. It's Amicus and Electo. Electo, thank you. I was like, A name, but. but <laughs> A I was, name! I just that kidding. And I think that's probably the last name, too. So then he does start like calling out some of the other ones, too. He says that three are dead, one is too cowardly, one has left forever, and then one is their most faithful that is at Hogwarts. That one who's most faithful, we know who dead is. Yeah. But I'm sure reading for the first time, you know, Bagman probably comes up, Snape, Igor. I think instinctually, well, Igor is the first one, the one who's fucking cowardly as Yes, fuck. that, that I had written down. That one is so clear. The one who left forever, is that, that is Snape? Snape. That okay, is Snape. I got all that right. But it's interesting because, you know, we see the trajectory of Snape's storyline in the next couple of books, and then obviously learning that Snape is playing for both teams, whatever. Actually, I think it's explained more in, like, the very end of the seventh book, too, when we do the, the Prince's Tale, and we learn Snape's whole backstory. At this point, as Voldemort comes back, he's literally been back for ten minutes, so he's talking out of his ass this bullshit about all these people. But he's probably always known that Karkaroff would be a fucking cowardly asshole. Yeah. He obviously knows that Barty Crouch Jr. is his dude because he's been handling all the stuff. And Snape is the only other living one who's not an Azkaban missing. And he's like, Snape's not here. Think about Lily Potter, uh, whatever. Says he's like, he will be killed, of course. Yes, okay. I think that at this point, he's like, oh, I'm going to kill that fucking Snape. And then Eventually. we know that Dumbledore sends Snape to Voldemort literally later that night because Snape has to keep his good graces with Dumbledore. It's real convoluted, yeah. but it's also kind of brilliant. So there's that. And like for Igor, it says something like he'll pay. So he's already like, Snape's going to die eventually. And then the three dead, do you know who those are? I don't think that we learn anything about them. Okay. I don't think it really matters. Yeah, I don't know that any of them are mentioned or important to the story. Yeah. I guess that the author was like, well, I'm sure some of the Death Eaters are dead here. Maybe it's discussed when they talk about, like, the original Order of the Phoenix. We'll look at that in the next book. Maybe. Because, you know, like, Molly Weasley's brother was killed and things like that. So a few other things that happen, too, after everyone kind of materializes and everything. Then Peter does get his new hand. Like, I just ripped all over this guy, but he did come help me, so here's a hand. Yeah, he should have given him, like, a dick for a hand. <laughs> or a spatula. Or, like, or what would be another really good thing to or have? just give him, like, rat hands. What if he had those little, tiny, itty-bitty hands? The ones that I'm obsessed with. <laughs> Oh my god, that would have been ideal. Fuck, that's what should have happened. Screw the dick hand. That's old news. Of course, like, that's tit for tat. Y'all know we would have brought that up in this, but those little tiny hands? Perfect. Oh. And then he starts to go about this whole big thing about, like, where he's been over the past years, as if anybody asked him. He does bring up the whole thing about the scar and protection, being old magic, blah, blah, blah. He literally brings up all the things. He's like, exposition for the next six pages. In case you haven't read the last four books, this is what happened, (laughs) like, 13 years ago when I left. But then he 
talks about how he's just been kind of possessing people, and then it talks about the whole quarrel thing. It's kind of cool, though, to be like, this is where we meet Voldemort. Like, Harry and Voldemort have their first real face-to-face. Yes, Harry had the diary, but that was an old version of Voldemort. This is, like, the beginning. That was a memory, too, yeah. This yeah, is, like, This is the beginning of everything for this part of the story. It's kind of cool to hear what Voldemort's storyline is, even though he's the worst. And he takes the whole goddamn chapter to tell us. I like how Lucius is like, tell us a story, Master. He makes warm milk for everybody and says, everybody sit down in a circle. Right. And Harry's like, excuse me, I'm still sitting here trapped by this fucking grave. Right. And, and he's like, oh yeah, by the way, Harry's here. He's Voldemort my guest takes, of honor. It's goddamn time. He talks about how eventually Wormtail came to find him after the third book. How Wormtail had been getting aid from other rats. Oh. I mean, snakes and rats. Typically, those are things that you call an untrustworthy person anyway. But those seem to be like, you know, the homeboy animals that, <laughs> that they always go after. Finally, we get what happened with Bertha and how they were in Albania. Wormtail came across Bertha. We've kind of established, I guess, that she's kind of stupid. But like, why did she think that she would go for a stroll with Skinny Dick one night? Right. Know? First of all, look at him. I mean, they went. They did go to school together. Yeah, but... But he's dead, remember? Yeah, you should be dead. concerned. That's the but, thing. What, uh, you're alive now? This is not suspicious at all. Like, even if he was like, oh, I'm Joe Schmo. Let's go for a walk. You look really hot. Bertha, are you really that desperate that you want to <laughs> try to suck the dick of this mangy fucking nasty ass? Oh, so, no. So that, I was like, wow, Bertha, that was pretty dumb. But then Voldemort talks about how he tortured her and interrogated her. And she says the thing about Barty Crouch Jr. too. And like, that's how they realize that he is still like around. And I'm like, how did she know about I, that? Unless yeah. it was somehow through Barty Crouch Sr.? I think Barty Crouch Jr. tells us in the next couple chapters. I think she went to the Crouches and she saw Jr. I think. What was she doing at the Crouches? I don't know. She works with not visiting a co-worker. I don't fucking know. I feel like Barty Crouch Sr. and Bertha Jorkins are like two opposite. Right. Barty Crouch Sr. would be like, I never saw you come to my house, bitch. I don't like you. You're scatterbrained. And I am the most ruthless. She seems like Jojo Siwa. And he (laughs) seems like Dorian Gray. (laughs) So, like... <laughs> so pretty certain that Barty Crouch Jr. will tell us in a couple chapters, okay. like, the, the details. But I think she goes to their home and she sees him. There's obviously more to it, but I don't know what it is. And then she's like, oh, that was weird. Time to go on vacation and get murdered. Right? For real, though. I feel like during this whole book bertha to me has just seemed like the most normal person to she's just like the most average slice of life person which has made me appreciate her more so i'm excited to get some more of those details then as we get into these final chapters of the book plus i mean obviously i'm bringing up all these loose ends that are in this chapter right now and you obviously remember them better than i do so <laughs> there's more but, shit coming but that's the whole thing with this book is that it's so just so dense since we're like approaching our recap episode two it'll be interesting to make sure that we talk about all of the details that come up in the next few books yeah. too to just add on to it so yeah he, they learn about the triwizard tournament from her 
She knows all the things. The Triwizard Tournament, obviously, that makes more sense because she's part of like the mm-hmm. games and sports commission or whatever. Which I guess that's another way for you to kind of suspect Bagman a little bit more if you're reading into it this heavily as a f- mm-hmm. first reader too. After all of this, the only other thing is like offering to let Harry fight and claiming that's an element of strength to be like. You yeah. should fight me he, rather than just killing you. As the chapter ends, first he tortures Harry. He has Wormtail untie him and give him his wand so he can prepare to duel. This is why it's so like classic villain to me. Is he like spends all this time being like this big flourish of this is how I came to be in this position and I'm so wonderful and this is my great plan. And it's laughable because your foe is a 14 year old boy who's not in best fighting condition right now, who you literally just murdered his classmate in front of him. You tied him up. He's injured. He doesn't have a wand. He's literally a child. And you're just acting like you are about to do that the your hot best shit. thing on the planet. Like, yeah. there's... You're so fantastic. Look at how great I am. Yeah, real good job. That is totally like the last thing that I have written. He's a piece of shit. It's all bullshit. Just him talking hot shit. That's totally what it is. It's such a villain thing, which makes it, I guess, you know, what it is. It is. I mean, I also wrote down pride and ambition. Obviously, it's the Slytherin traits here. Like, over logic of if you were a smarter villain, if this is somebody that you really want to, like, dispose of and get out of your way because you think that this is the person who will, like... Open up the world to you and let you, like, you know, take over. Just kill him. Oh, it's like, it's, it's like I'll let you food, give an opportunity. You know? But, like, even when he's telling his whole story and it's this grandiose thing, I'm just like, he's talking out of his ass. He really is. Even when he's trying to assert dominance on all of his Death Eaters, I just feel like it, it's so manufactured. Nothing to me seems like it's genuine. It's just him trying to do all the things that a villain would do or say and then just being a murderous asshole, you know? This is is 14 pages of him where he could have just murdered this child and been done. Yeah. Like he has his wand, Vada Kedavra. There you go. And this is why Umbridge is a better villain than Voldemort. Right. She's not as clever of a villain. She's like a bully. She's we'll talk totally. about her real in depth next book, oh, obviously. Oh boy! But you like, believe it, right? But this is the thing that happens, and you're like, why? Why didn't you just fucking kill him? I, I mean, understand. at the same time, I still think it shows like what you've been saying this entire book that Barty Crouch Jr. is the smartest. Barty Crouch Jr. is the smartest, even over Voldemort. What we didn't talk about in this chapter is Harry, and I want to take a few minutes to talk oh, about yes. Harry. In the last chapter, where we made Voldemort soup, spend a little bit of time with Harry in that chapter too. You know, the action is happening with Voldemort and Wormtail, and Harry is observing, and Harry has that moment where we're in his head, and, and he's like, "Let it drown," very desperately hoping that this child baby fetus thing is gonna drown and in this chapter they're being loud and harry is like hoping for the police to come like he is so desperate and scared i just find it to be really well thrown into the chapter like just the way we touch base with harry in very very short doses throughout this 14 page chapter i'm so sad for him and i'm just like that's such a relatable thing when you're in a shitty situation obviously i've never been tied to a gravestone what what you haven't you gotta try it with with my mortal enemy who wants to murder me soliloquying about how fucking great and evil he is that's a relatable thing like please let something go right it just makes me feel even more for this poor kid well if i wasn't feeling like shit after this there's a graveyard and walking distance I could go tie the door. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's relatable more in the sense of I have these days fairly often where like you get up on the wrong side of the bed and there's these little micro moments of just everything not working well. You tend to like make little mistakes throughout the day that when they add up it's like oh my god this is just not my day. Yeah. And you're just like, I mean, it can be related to back to something as like unimportant as that in comparison to what's happening right. here. I have this more in the next chapter too, but you see Harry waver a lot between giving up and then being like, I have to persevere. And like when you relate it back to some of those more mundane things is also very relatable. Mm-hmm. When you're having a bad day at work and you're just like, I just want to like flip a table and get out of here. But it's like, no, let me take a deep breath. It's that idea that he has nothing. All you can do is hope for something to happen that could help. Logically, all of this noise and shit could maybe draw the police over here. He knows that he's in a muggle graveyard. There could be muggle policemen or someone nearby. And he can hope for that because that's literally all he has. All right, you ready for Fuck, Mary Kill? I am. Are you excited? I have no idea. Well, it's not very exciting. So, Fuck, Mary Kill. Three of the Death Eaters that we don't really know too much about. <laughs> oh, okay, that's fine. We know enough about Lucius and Crab and Goyle, so they're out. So we're gonna fucking marry kill Avery, Not, and McNair. Well, I'm killing McNair immediately because he was gonna kill Buckby. That's the easiest one. Solid. Not is who they talked about him being like a little shriveled old man. And Avery, I don't know. Oh, well, I'm gonna maybe fuck Avery, I guess. Like you're going to marry the shriveled old man? Yeah, because why not? If he's a Death Eater. Why not? I'll tell you why not. He's a little shriveled old man. Oh, yeah, but like I could maybe take him then if he's just a little shriveled Oh, man. take him as in like you could pin him down and beat him to death. Well, if he tried to hurt me, I could defend myself. And I don't know shit about Avery, but you know, he might be a good leg. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm also killing McNair. Because he tried to kill Buckbeak. Because I know the most about him. And he not only did Sucks. he try to kill Buckbeak, but he failed. So, he sucks. He sucks, yes. <laughs> I am going to fuck not. Okay. And, like, you could say, why are you going to fuck that little shriveled old man? Yeah. And I'm like, I haven't had sex in six years, so don't judge me. <laughs> okay. I'm going to marry Avery because, I don't know, something about that name sounds classy. Um, Avery. Avery. Avery the Death Eater. Real classy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. Avery and not. We don't know fucking anything about these people. But that was my choice. You're just mad because... Or I'm just mad. I just totally tried to call you me. I'm just mad. Don't ever do that again. What an insult. I know. I'm sorry. I'm so insulting. I'm just mad that you didn't do Crab Boyle and Lucius. Alright, let's do that now. You You know that I'm fucking Lucius. Oh, you are? There's no way that's not a good time, right? Wait, why? So you can pull on his hair? I mean, that's also maybe fine, but... I mean, you know that he's a bottom bitch. I just feel like Lucius is probably a real good fuck, I'm just saying. I'm gonna kill Crab, and I'm gonna marry Goyle. Why? Because those two, to me, seem like Avery and Nat. They're, like, indistinguishable. So, Crab is the worst of the two of Malfoy's friends, as far as the children, in my opinion. Oh, okay. So you're killing him because his child is an asshole? Yeah, because he's probably an asshole, too. Probably taught his kid to be an asshole. And I feel like Goyle is a little more dumb. I mean, they're both idiots, the kids. Um, And maybe there could be a way to make him a nicer, better person. Oh, I thought you were going to say something like take out a hefty insurance policy on him and then kill him. 
talk about that part of fuck Mary Kill in here. He's so. a death eater. I know. They're all listen, I mean Make him eat day, death <laughs> by At the end of the day we just wanna kill them all. But what are you gonna do? Probably the same. Not surprising, the movie is kind of an abridged version of Could everything. you imagine if they'd been like, Ralph Fiennes, you get to do this entire monologue? He would have chewed off all the scenery. He is so fucking ridiculous in that scene. It's yeah, the way that he reacts to things and the noises that he makes. Like, uh, he it's is, like the cowardly lion. He is so much, and it's great, but we don't need the whole thing. Thank you for cutting most yeah. of it. Like, this is, a well, I guess it's sort of in this chapter where he's like, get up, get up. Like, like, it's just so, like... And now I know I just yeah. called him the Cowardly Lion, but he moves around like a fucking scarecrow. He's a lot. This scene I've noticed in the movie, I think the cinematography is kind of terrible. Like, I don't think it looks as good as other scenes in the movie. It just looked kind of weird. It's all very hazy and Also, I think he looks way too good. He's uglier and uglier as the movies go on, and I'm like... This is literally newborn baby ugliness. Yeah, he's, he's a fresh. Like, yeah, he's, he's a fresh human. Not, I mean, he's not great, but he looks way better now than he does later on. So I'm glad you brought that up because something I thought about was like the evolution of Voldemort as like a human. You see him as a teenager. Later in the series, we see him as a child, and then you know he becomes an evil man and stuff, and then he comes after Harry, and then he becomes this like disembodied spirit that yeah. goes around, possesses snakes and squirrel <laughs> and then he becomes this like little fetus bloody motherfucker that again there was like soup part one where he kind of talks about skinny dick ain't that great but at least he made me into a fetus now he comes back and he's this like veiny slimy motherfucker with yeah, no nose and so i'm like is this zombie well i Voldemort? mean again i think like, it comes back to this whole thing or frankenstein with and, and his soul being so damaged that he literally has to be built up from this potion or whatever. Well, he needs, like, a vessel. Yeah. That's the thing. He and needs so he, they had vessel. to create a vessel for him, and that's what this whole thing did, and he's just disgusting uh, He could have looked like anything, though, too. Like, like but you're, then, you're then a gifted-ass wizard. This is a rudimentary potion, though, too, maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, I was just like, also why like, is this what he looks also like? Also, maybe he thrives on the fact that that's also maybe marginally terrifying. The other thing I commented on when we were watching was how powerful it is seeing Cedric Dead, in the, dead in the background. And then when he does the he thing puts where the he, foot on his, he like ugh. foot on Cedric's face and then Harry's like, don't touch him. And that was good he, acting on Robert Patterson's part because he looks dead as fuck. He looks dead. And not only that, that calloused fucking... Voldemort needed a pedicure like years right. ago. And he, his nasty ass foot is pressing up against I her. I mean, and obviously that doesn't happen in the book, but I, I do appreciate that little addition of them bringing the attention to Cedric and getting to see Harry react to that and reminding us of literally what just happened, especially when we're only watching it in small increments. It's a very terrifying scene and they don't make it look all that terrifying for Harry with them, like with him literally just kind of pushed up against the grave. He doesn't look like he's trapped. Yeah. I hate that. I mean, it gets more terrifying, obviously, after they do this whole Cedric thing. And yeah. he's like, don't do that or whatever. He's like, oh, yeah, I forgot you were there. I can touch you now. Boom. Yeah. 
And that's an interesting recall because the whole thing with him not being able to touch him is that that's supposed to like recall back to Quirrell because Harry realized that his touch on Quirrell was burning him. Dumbledore explains it in the first book. The reason why Harry touched Quirrell like that and it burned him is because of how strong his mother's presence is versus Voldemort being completely taking over Quirrell. At this point, and this is why he doesn't possess humans, Quirrell had gone too far to the point where Voldemort was in charge of that body. Yeah. You know? Well, you even see it at the very end. Like, Quirrell is kind of an asshole before he takes his turban off and it's like, that's him being an asshole. Yeah. Not Voldemort. I didn't even think about that. But the whole thing of like 13 years ago when he was a baby, he couldn't touch him then either. Mm -hmm. So this is his first opportunity to touch him after that even too. This is an interesting thing because when Dumbledore explains the whole thing with Horcruxes and all of that I'm under the impression that the reason he can touch Harry is because he took Harry's blood Oh, so he takes Dumbledore explains Lily's protection him doing this ultimately if Voldemort had done what Skinny Dick had said and been like anyone who's an enemy use them he could kill Harry like that yeah, that's a good point, too. Because he wouldn't have brought Lily's protection into himself. Uh-huh. And there wouldn't have been this whole backfiery bullshit that happens in the final book. Yeah. I could be wrong. I'm like, I, I really want to explore that and no, figure th- all that out. That's a good thing to bring up, because we did kind of gloss over that, that he could have chosen anybody, but he chose Harry. That gives a little it's bit more weight more to More of it. him being fucking dramatic. He's like... Well, that's how I read it, is that he's just like, oh, yeah, of course it has to be I mean, Harry, that's because symbol, that's what but... he did. He is so dramatic, and everything has been about destroying Harry and clearly it has to be a big moment for him yeah. when he kills Harry. He can't just be like, Avada Kedavra that kid's dead. Or like have just let Barty Crouch Jr. kill him while he's at Hogwarts. He has such a vendetta. It's ridiculous. Voldemort needs to go to therapy. No one wants that job. <laughs> Do you have anything else to say about the movie? No, I think yeah, that's everything. I, I honestly think it does fine. If we're grading on a curve, it's fine. It gets a passing grade. The acting in the scene is good. I appreciate the fact that they don't even bother hiding that Lucius is... Before they reveal that it's Lucius, you're like, look at that luscious hair. Yeah. I like when he does his little, like, sachet around the circle and he's like, oh, takes off their masks and he's like, you suck, whoever the fuck you are, crab, goyle, blah, blah, blah. Like, I think that that looks really cool. And I really appreciate that they still gave Lucius that whole, like, if we'd known, if we'd known. Because to Lucius's, like, defense, how the fuck is he supposed to know? He's like, oh, there were all these whispers over the last 13 years. Like, where the fuck were these whispers? I was over here trying to live my life, you know? I don't I don't know. Yeah, it's... seriously. I like how you said that he sashays around because then after that they do a floor show and start voguing and stuff. <laughs> and then Harry's like, oh, hey, I'm here. And then we get to the real show. And then some bad shit happens. Yeah. Stay right. tuned for the next chapter. I got only negative points this time. That makes sense. Nobody is shocked. And it's negative 10 to Lucius, Avery, Crab, Goyle, Knott, and McNair. And that's it. <laughs> Just those six people, those six people that were mentioned that showed up because, as I talked about it earlier, I think it comes more out of a fear thing and on a loyalty thing. Mm-hmm. Which means you ain't got no backbone. I didn't take any from Voldemort because literally he just goes on a fucking monologue. It really is. He's like, I oh, finally have my soliloquy. I didn't give any to Harry because he's just shit in his pants. <laughs>
mean, there's literally just there, so yeah. that's fair. Next time we are going to discuss chapter 34. Priority and Cantatum. Yeah. How many chapters are left in this after this? Three? Four. Well, four including the next one, yeah. Yeah. So we're getting there, like, literally, I'm looking at the, the book that Tara has, and it's comical, like, how much Oh, I think there's, like, through. 75 pages left. Yeah, it's Maybe really less. nothing. As we're approaching the end of this book, start thinking about, is there anything that you'd like to see us focus on a lot for season five? Yes. Obviously, we will have time because we're going to take a break and everything, too. But, but yeah, we've kind of gotten over the hurdle of things going from, like, YA to adult. And these next couple chapters are pretty heavy. Yeah, some That's exciting it. things coming up is we'll do this next chapter. The next episode will be... Chapter 34, the one after that, is going to be a be special episode. episode. 100. 100. I still can't believe we did this. And well. then after that, we'll do three more chapters from this book. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll have a recap. And then we'll do a recap. And so then we'll yeah. take a lengthy break. Very lengthy. I still am like shocked that up to this point, I've edited 97 of these things. By the end of this recording session, we'll have done 99 episodes. So bizarre. Crazy. But then I look at some of the podcasts I listen to and they're almost a 300. I'm like, oh man. Yeah, but they probably, you know, someone that does it and gets paid to do it. Yeah, that's right. Which, they don't have yet again, of it. is a good reason why you should sponsor us. So we can pay someone else to do it. No, so that we can have money. <laughs> I'll still do it. I just want money. Also, you know? it'd be good to use that to pay for the fucking podcast hosting. Oh, I thought you were going to say all the wine that we drink. Yeah, so podcast hosting and then it can go into our wine fund. Our wine fund, exactly. All right, let's wrap it up. Yeah. We'll talk to y'all later. <laughs> cool, all right. Bye. Let's wrap. <laughs> Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Edited by me, Adam Bowers. And published by me, Tara Corkery, and available wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. Please review and rate us five stars on your app of choice, and be sure to share us to all of your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Oh, don't forget to follow us on social media. Sometimes I update that. Basic Snitches on Instagram. Also, we have a Facebook page. And email us anything you want to or specifically answers to our questions on our segments. BasicSnitches at gmail.com. But don't send us dick pics, please. That's nasty. But do send us liquor. Thanks. Yeah. Alohomora! Oh, now people can get into your house. They're a their toe. But they don't matter because now you're a water goblin. Bye. Bye.